0: Well, it's good to be back. See old friends, and and as almost every time when we come here, is is meeting new friends as well, which which is a blessing. And it's it's good to come to a church and realize, hey, I don't know some of these people, (laughs) and uh, and, but then it's always good to say, hey, and there's some I do. Uh, We like to see people remain faithful to the truth of God's word, and we like to see. Uh, when new people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and desire to grow in His Word. And uh, it's just a blessing to be, be with you. Uh, my wife and I, again, have been supported by the church here for um, over 35 years. Or, no, probably 34, right around 34, 35, whenever we do the math. Uh, we've been on the field of Nova Scotia for 33 years coming up this, this summer. And I know you're stunned that a young 20-year-old has spent that long. <laughs> uh, now I'm getting old. At least that's what my body's telling me. My mind isn't, and uh, my wife will tell you my uh, maturity is not getting older either. Uh, but uh, uh, I, we uh, are just thankful for the years of service that God has given us and look forward to many more. And uh, thank you. We, uh, several times through my... Speaking I you may hear me say thank you again for your prayers and support. Uh, that's because we can't thank you enough uh, for your faithful service over the years as one of our supporting churches that have been with us from the beginning and that they're just continuing uh, in the, uh, the service of the Lord together. We are an extension of this ministry. We are your missionaries, your uh, boots in Nova Scotia, Canada. And uh, we desire fruit. That may abound to your account as well. And uh, some of the things we'll talk about and people will talk about that is part of your fruit as a church as well. And so we rejoice in that. Uh, we, the plan uh, is uh, basically I have a very short uh, um, slideshow, so digital slideshow presentation. I don't have a slide projector and a lot of people don't know what those are anymore you might find them in an antique shop but it is a sh- slideshow, and uh, it'll just be updating you sh- showing you again a little bit of what's going on in uh, Nova Scotia then after that I'm going to just share some of the blessings we've seen and how God's been working and then uh, I will have a message uh, from the word of God otherwise pastor will be real mad. Uh, I, it's enjoyable too when you go to a church and Pastor, say yes, tell us about your field show, but you make sure you preach the word as well, uh, because uh, our, our folks need to hear that, and uh, we also need to, to know that, uh, that you remember how to preach, you know, so they want to make sure that that is, you know, it's, uh, I've gotten real good at putting together displays and slideshows and things, but that preaching thing, I have kind of forgot that, well, you don't want that in a missionary, and so uh, we'll look forward to that. So at this time, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, have our slideshow. comic relief to break the tension because we were able to return and in 1992 the Lord opened the door for us to return to Nova Scotia to the town of Truro which is in the center of the province it has its churches but the people there don't need a church building or a church organization they need the gospel of Jesus Christ They're steeped in their humanism, they're steeped in their pride, their heritage, but they need Jesus Christ. They need the gospel to meet the true need that every individual has. And so in 1992, we began meeting in our home for about 18 months and then outgrew our living room and had to move to the Willow Street Elementary School and met there for eight years until we were able to buy this building so that our church had a permanent meeting place in the community a place where believers could gather to hear the Word of God, to hear the Gospel, to be discipled in the truth of His Word. And so, no matter what the obstacles, we always sought to have our church doors opened that we might give that message, to see folks saved, and then to follow the Lord and believers' baptism so that they could be a testimony of what God had done in their lives and showing others that they've been born again. Our ministries often include outreach into the community in different ways activities for ladies and fellowship with people to get get to know them and helping them get to know us better. And we've seen in that time the Lord work in hearts. We've had ministry with adults, with teens, Children's outreaches through, through Bible schools, uh, day camps from time to time. We've had several groups come to help in that and always appreciated their faithfulness in, in getting the gospel out to those young people in the community. Our Sunday school and, uh, time instructing our children, encouraging them in the Word of God, thankful for faithful people who uh, help in that ministry as well and letting children know from a very young age that Jesus loves them and had come to die for them. Children's choir, helping them understand and know how to praise God and to serve God faithfully and uh, to sing praises that honor Him. Uh, Just really a burden for the young people that we have in our church. Teenagers who have to face the challenges and struggles in a world steeped with ungodliness and that bombards them with messages that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Well, we want to show them that we love them and we want them to know the truth of the gospel. The camp ministry at Forest Glen Bible Camp and helping minister to our young people and to our families through the different activities that might be there, the different programs and skits that we would have. But always most important of all, over the activities and the fun, is the preaching of the word of God making sure that young and old, children, families, they hit to hear the truth that Jesus Christ died for them. Seeking again the burden for our teenagers. People, half of our teens, we have around eight now, over half of them, their parents don't come to church. They're just kids who've been coming, and they, they see our burden for them and our love for them, and we want to help those teens know that they're cared for and that God loves them. Then also even further than that, teaching the young people of Nova Scotia and the Atlantic provinces, working at the Emmanuel Baptist Bible Institute. Brenda and I have both taught classes there, helping train the believers in Canada for the ministry. We're so thankful that people have helped us. We wanna reach out to help those in their ministries and help others be prepared to serve the Lord. And uh, they see examples from others and from us and they can go forward. This is Tim and Jennifer Silver. They ministered with us for three years, encouraging them in the ministry. They are now planning a church. Cheryl Eastwood came to our church when she went into the college there as a pastor's wife. Keith Boss came up on a mission team, got a burden for Nova Scotia, and is now pastoring in the Atlantic provinces of Canada. Canadians have their entertainment. They have their culture. They have their pride they have the beauty of the, of the Lord all around them and through the good and through the difficult times we simply want to faithfully show them Jesus Christ and Him crucified to be a light that shines the gospel of Christ to the people of Nova Scotia they might receive Him as their Savior they might then be taught the Word of God that they too will be a light to the people of Canada. None of my slides were upside down and none of them got stuck. That's good. (laughs) That's just a brief little summary, some pictures of our ministry and some of the people and the young people that are there we wanted to share with you. Over the last seven years, we've really seen the Lord uh, work in people's lives, and uh, we have been in in Truro since 92, and started that church in our home with uh, our family of uh, five at the time, and two ladies, two elderly ladies, Uh, so we've been ministering there a long time, I promise in starting that church to those people who came after those first several weeks and we had our, a meeting afterwards talking about that. And I said, I want you to know that I am here to see souls saved to build believers together in this ministry until this church becomes a body of believers in a building and able to support a pastor. And that was my commitment to them. Uh, now, I was not expecting that it might take uh, 25 years we just had were there 25 years just this last summer uh, and sometimes our, when our children all ended up growing up and going out we've had some say so like are you going to go back to the states now "Do your kids are down there and I said no this is where the Lord's called us and we made a commitment to these people and then when the grandchildren started coming then they really got scared you know because uh, aren't you going to go move to where your grandkids are let would say, why? When we do, our kids will just get up and move again, so, and we can't keep moving around. But no, we would tell them, listen, uh, this is where the Lord has led us. Uh, the church building is now paid off, and uh, we're hoping to see the ministry grow. And we're praying for about four or five more f- good uh, uh, families or couples to come, with, able to give, and the church might then be about, the about time where they should be able to support a preacher. And uh, that's our desire. Uh, My father-in-law had been in ministry for many years and was talking to another Canadian who uh, had been a missionary in Bolivia and was now in Newfoundland starting a church. And he asked this young man one time when he was passing through, so how long do you think it will take to start a church in Atlantic Canada? And that man looked at him and he grew up in Nova Scotia and he looked at him and he he said, it'll take 25 to 35 years if you start from scratch to really get a self-supporting ministry going. Uh, knowing the heart. Now, again, we know that God can work in many ways, and sometimes that's not okay if everybody's got to be that way. But he was just saying, listen, it is a long-term, a difficult field to work in. The people are friendly. Uh, They'll take your literature. They'll talk to you. Many times they'll invite you in, and you can talk with them. But when it comes to a point where you're saying, well, now we'd like to uh, talk to you about the Lord and receiving Him as Savior. Sometimes they'll listen. And, oh, yeah, I see that. I see that. And would you like to? Would you? Would you, would you like to receive? No, that's all right. I've got my own religion, I'm okay. You know, but I appreciate you coming. <laughs> Come again sometime, and I could go back, and they'd open the door again, and they'd have tea, and they'd have what you know stuff again to eat, and we could talk again. And sometimes that has happened. There are people that's slow to change, set in their ways, satisfied with themselves. Uh, and uh, yet, there are people that need Christ. But we're rejoicing in the last seven years. We've probably seen our church almost double in size. We're now running right around 50, if everybody's there, about 55. Half of those are teenagers and younger, which is a blessing uh, to see those young people that are there. And God is working in their hearts. We've got one, uh, two, uh, and young people that now are teens in our teen class that uh, when they were in first grade and kindergarten came to a vacation Bible school. They're Taiwanese children. Their parents wanted them to come, They're trying to get them to learn language. They just come, and uh, we helping them learn. And they figure, well, we'll get them in these things, and they'll learn English better. Uh, and they have, uh, except for a couple of years when they went back to Taiwan to so they wouldn't l- lose their Mandarin, uh, they when the kids came back, they came right back into church, and they've been there. Uh, with us for, for many years, and it's just a blessing to to see that. We're praying for their parents to, to, get, to accept the Lord and, and to come, and are seeking to reach out to them. We've seen our ministry change in many ways. Uh, some of the people in the last couple years have come with a lot of baggage. Now, you don't have those problems here. None of you have any baggage or problems or issues that you have to deal with in your life. You've got, everything's right on top of things. Well, no, it's everywhere. But we've seen God work and convict people in their lives. I mentioned there was one man uh, came, he and his wife. She, we'd known her before. She'd gotten away from the Lord, married this fella. They had then gotten saved and then moved to our area and started coming to our church. And uh, after being there for several months, I got a call one morning, she, his wife was on the phone. She says, Matt's in the hospital. He tried to commit suicide last night and I said all right and uh, she said uh, and let me explain let me tell you what's going on. He said uh, Matt came from a wicked family uh, and a mother that was very controlling and when he became of age but when he was about 15 16 17 years old uh, this mother brought a niece to him and said here she's for you to be a girlfriend and all of that stuff. She had done that earlier with uh, his older brother and one of his sisters. And the mother thought to do this to keep them close to home by, all right, I get a pick and I got the control. Well, 20 years later, uh, that relationship long ago was done. Uh, this, daughter, this niece came forward and decided that she was going to ch- charge him with, with abuse. And the trial was coming up. And he didn't want to tell the people at church. He was ashamed of what people would think of him and all of that. So he decided to try to end his life. So I went to the hospital to talk with him. And I talked to him and I said to him, now Matt, he said, uh, I understand that you did this. Yeah, he said, and I think you understand what's going on. He said, you know, I, I wanted to share with you what was coming up, but I didn't, just didn't know what the people at church would think. and and I didn't want to to deal with that. So I thought this would be a way out. But he said, I realized that that was not really the right thing to do. So I said to him, well, Matt, you, things were shared with me. You said this is something that took place in your life years ago, correct? He said, yes. But you know that that was wrong, right? (laughs) I understand that now and he's gotten saved and confessed, all that, got that, uh, it was under the blood of Christ. And he said, well, Matt, now when you go into that courtroom, you just have to plead guilty. Because even though there was a messed up family, and even though all the situation was there, you have to plead guilty because you were guilty of that. And he thought for a little bit and he said, well, you're right. He said, but, and I said, to him, if you go into that court and you say that you're not guilty, you're lying to the court and you'll be lying before God. And so he planned to do that Talked with his lawyer, met about a week later, and he said, well, my lawyer says that if I plead guilty to this and this and this one, I'll, you know, fine, but if I plead guilty to this one, I might have to do some hard federal time. And I said, you can't go in court and say not guilty, can you? And he said no. And so that was his plan, to honor the Lord by pleading guilty in court. Well, because as we made that decision, got with him again a week later, And he said, after the lawyers talked because of the time and all the problems with his family and everything and instead of drawing things out, they have made a plea deal. I'll plead guilty and have a year's house arrest and then another year's of probation. And uh, he was still not enjoying going in court and pleading guilty to it. But I said, well, there you go, Matt. You just have to honor that. Now, you just make sure you do what the court tells you to do. And it's been several years since that was all through, and that couple is growing continually in the Lord. They've been through some hard times. Uh, His wife uh, had to do some forgiving, because there were times where she asked about some stuff, and he said, well, no, and then found out, well, it was yes. And she said, why did you lie? And he said, I just didn't want, I thought once I told you, I would lose you. And uh, she forgave. And uh, they have a strong marriage. And they desire to serve God and grow in him. But he had to to make a hard decision. And that was, I'm gonna do what I need to do before the Lord. And God was gracious to him. And we've seen God work in his life and uh, many others. Uh, Most recently we've mentioned there's a young couple that's been coming to church. uh, Her name is uh, Kristen Talea. they called one week asked about the church and they showed up and came into church and as they as they walked in uh, said hello how are you we called yes great good we're glad that you can be here and we're looking forward to hearing this and our kids we'd like them to stay up in the message instead of going to the kids classes that okay yeah that's fine and uh, they were already gun ho and ready to, uh, to be there. And, uh, but as, as he shook her hand and, and got to see him, he noticed that sticking up from the collar was some tattooing, and she had a tattoo across here, and her hand was covered with a tattoo, and, which is, you know, that's they, people come with all sorts of things in their lives, and he said to him, well, you know, I talked to him, well, what do you do? And he said, well, he said, I'm a tattoo artist. <laughs> but he said, but you know... And he came right forward and said, but you know, I've I've just recently come to know the Lord and growing. And as I've looked at my industry, you know, I realize there's a lot of darkness in it. uh, And a lot that goes on in it and people becoming addicted to those things. And and really seeing and understanding, uh, you know, he said, I'm thinking I really need to get a new job. But, you know, that's my livelihood. So, you know, just pray for us. And his wife, she had uh, tattoos all over as well. And as we talked about it, we said, you know, tattoos don't save us or unsave us. Uh, But we talked about some things about our body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, we want to not call attention to ourselves in anything, but we want to show forth Jesus Christ. And they understood all of those things. And uh, she was very self-conscious herself. She'd gotten quite a bit of tattooing done. And and she said, you know, I almost feel now that I lost my femininity. I feel that the people are looking at that, those things instead of a testimony for the Lord. And she was very self-conscious of that. And I said, well, you know, he said, listen, you know that those things, when you come to our church, our folks aren't going to look at you and say, whoa, look at those people. They got covered with tattoos. He said, you know that, we're, we, that we love you and we know that there are things that people do and that they, they realize that that was wrong. And, and they said, we know that. We've under, we, we appreciate that because they said several people talked with us and nobody seemed judgmental about anything. And. And so they've been coming to church, and just a week before we came down here, they both uh, were baptized. And uh, they've got two young children that love, want to be at church, and they love being at church all the time. And after that first Sunday, I was talking with them. He said, well, we hope to see you next week. And their young boy, Kelly, who's about 10, he says, oh, we'll be back. <laughs> and so I said, you're coming back whether your folks come or not? And he said, that's right. you know." But uh, and they, they've come. And uh, pray for Chris and Talia. Uh, pray for his job situation. And uh, as we begin discipling them and working in their life, to see them grow in the Lord, uh, they have a thirst for the word of God. Uh, the whole family just is, is truly uh, wants to be in the Bible. And, uh, and uh, just pray for them and for uh, their, 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 the peace in their heart and the testimony that they, they are to others. Uh, we've discussed with our people many times and, and let them know uh, of the hardship. When we had to share Matt's situation with the church because it was going to come out in court. <laughs> I had to do that at a church meeting and I tell people those are that was, uh, you don't have one to have to stand up in front of a, a body of believers and say I have to share something with you now and let's talk about this. Because it was going to come out in the courts and they needed to know what had gone on. And, but no one treated him differently after they found out what had gone on. And that made a deep impression upon him and his family. Because later, his sister moved to town, and she started coming to church. And she often talked about, "Yeah, when this happened, the people—they—they all—they wanted to pray for (laughs) him. They didn't want to kick him out, because it's our desires always, no matter what people when people come is—we want them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to see him get saved. We want to see him grow in Christ." Sometimes people get the idea, well, I've got to take care of their sin first, and then we can get them saved. You know, we've got to get them all dressed up, and then they'll, you know, then they'll be ready to get saved. Well, no. Uh, we give them we let them know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, and His love for them, and that Christ died on the cross, and He, he bled and died to cover their sin, to forgive their sins. And so they just need to seek His forgiveness, and they, they can believe and be saved. And then as Pastor talked about this morning, then the life begins to change. Pray for these folks. The Lord will just continue to work in their heart as, as we seek to minister to them. And uh, God has been encouraging to us in seeing these people come and seeing them. them just that they want to do what God wants them to do. And so some of the hard hearts in Nova Scotia are melting, and that's what God does. He can take the stone and melt it. And uh, that's our continued prayer. And those uh, so are just a few of the uh, updates of what the Lord ha- has been doing, and uh, we're just rejoicing in in His faithfulness. Now I'm going to go ahead for a little bit, and open it up for a couple questions, if that's all right, Pastor. Now don't make them too hard, all right? Because it looks bad if the missionary stumped on a question. No, <laughs> is there anybody with a quick question? answered them all. All right. I will cut it off. I don't. I don't linger. Oh yes. Not anyone at specific at this time. Uh, I mentioned the Bible Institute that's in Moncton. Um, that is one of the sources where we're, we're growing up preachers through that ministry there, uh, and those who are called into the ministry. Uh, the, the, the man who is now the pastor of the church where the school is, and he's the administrator of the school, is a graduate of the school. Uh, so he had g- gone into the ministry elsewhere, and then the school needed a new administrator. He came to help, started growing the school more, and then the pastor left because of physical limitations, and they, they called him to be the pastor. Uh, and so uh, he is there. There's another pastor on Prince Edward Island that is a graduate of the school. And uh, there there are several men in the school now. So it is our hope that, Lord willing, as that time comes, that if there's not someone in our church and directly in our community, that someone from that school then will be able to step in and be able to uh, feel the burden for, for that area and be able to step in as pastor. Any others? Yes. There, we, there are some of the young kids who are, are homeschooled by their parents, and then there are some that are in the public schools. And so there, there's a mix, just depending on, on that. Um, there are some families that have a lot of heartache. I, I, I did mention there there are two teenage girls that I'm doing, one teenage girl I've been doing weekly counseling with, uh, a lot of things in her background. And Brennan and I have been meeting with her, helping her with her anger issues, and just things from an adopt, she's adopted into a family and the family is a mess. But, uh, but the mother likes them coming to church and likes when she comes to counsel with us. Because when she took her to the secular counselors, the girls come home more mad than when she went in. And they weren't really giving some help. But this girl has accepted the Lord and is always tender when we finally say now, here's what the Lord said. And she'll look say, yeah, I see that. And she has verse cards. And, but uh, some of the young people are, are really struggling as well. Any others? Yes, sir. It's uh, self, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, there's a hodgepodge. There's there's a mixture of it. We, we have uh, the, you know the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church would would be the same as Episcopalian. Uh, we have the United Church of Canada, which would be as like the United Methodist Church. Uh, there's Mormons. There's uh, Buddhists. There's uh, all, just all sorts of, of them there. So there's no real Dominant one, unless uh, the first time we went to Anaganish was 90% Roman Catholic. It was a strong Catholic community, but uh, a lot of times it's a mixture. Right, yes. I love the snow pictures. How much snow do you get at one time? Like, how much snowfall do you get here? All right. That was kind of deceitful. That was uh, <laughs> that was one of our big ones. We do get snow, but uh, it's because of the the ocean currents. It's it's moderated a lot, and so it depends on certain years. Um, a couple of years ago, it, it kept snowing and it never got warm, and so we had, you know, by the time uh, at the end of the winter, you're trying to find a place, of ability to throw the snow up onto the top of the pile. Uh, then sometimes it, it'll snow four inches, but then. A couple days it turns, warm and melts away. So uh, it, it really uh, varies from year to year. Yes? Uh, besides that, uh, school, do you have a discipleship program? With the, uh, your congregation? Well, usually what we're doing now, as I was talking, is when as there's new people who come in, we've been going through the foundation studies with them and using that to uh, deal with them and encourage them in that way. That's where we, we start them with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the surrounding area around Truro is around 14,000. They have about 27, twenty eight churches of different groups. All right. Any others quick? Yes. Um, we have a lot of girls <laughs> in our church <laughs> um, in our, we have two teen boys right now um, and uh, I don't know that they're looking really to the Lord's call into any ministry at the moment um, maybe some of the younger children the, uh, uh, the, Kristen Talia's young boy Kelly is very very gun ho and, and I could see, as time goes on, the Lord leading him. Uh, right now, he's about 10 years old. Uh, so you might pray that the Lord's leading Kelly's life. Uh, and then uh, there's a couple, there's another younger boy of one of our families that been there for year, Ryson, who is, but he's even younger than, than that right now. But he's sensitive to uh, those spiritual things in that way as well. But uh, uh, so those are the, the, the ones, as far as men, that look like they have a heart for possibly in the future that the Lord might lead into ministry. Any others? Yes? Which group? Was that the, the Silvers? Your, your oh, our children, sorry. Sorry. Uh, Uh, Our son, David, is married and has two children, a a boy and a girl. They live in the Arlington, Alexandria area in DC. He's doing graphics and design work. And uh, they had gone up to that area specifically to help in a church planning ministry and they were there for several years. Uh, You might pray for them though. The ministry has, DC is a transient area, people in and out. And they this year lost a lot of people moving out of the area. So that work might actually be closing, so be, we'll be looking for another church in the area, so pray for wisdom for that. Our daughter Laura is married. She has two boys. They live in South Carolina in Greenville, and then uh, Krista is uh, still single and working in Greenville as well, and uh, so that's, uh, they're all uh, in that area. We're going to see our son next weekend, and then the girls are, and uh, Laura's family, they're coming up in July to visit with us, so we'll get to check up on how our th- kids are treating their Our grandchildren. (laughs) Any others? Quickly. All right. First or Second Corinthians, chapter one. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ and whether we be afflicted it is for your consolation and salvation which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer or whether we be comforted it is for your consolation and salvation and for our, for our hope and our hope of you is steadfast knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings so shall ye also be of the consolation For we would not, brethren, have any ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. But we had this sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together with prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. And then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, a familiar verse, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified as it is with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and keep you from evil. Lord, as we come, look to your word tonight, and look and understand and see, Father, the comfort we have in each other, that we have in Christ, and the comfort we have in you, and the prayer, the ability of praying one for another. And knowing that we are lifting up our voice to the faithful God who loves us and works all things together for good, that he himself would be glorified. Glorified again in all that we do as a testimony before a lost world. Strengthen us, Father, that you may receive the glory always. As we faithfully serve you, and as we faithfully serve together, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This uh, passage in First and Second Corinthians has been an encouragement, just uh, especially in these this first. And I don't know if you if you noticed, but in the first seven verses there, uh, there seems to be a theme: comfort. Consolation. The word consolation and comfort have the same root. One's the verb area, uh, and the, the other uh, it just explains what God is to us and then how it is done to us. And he says here that he is the God of all comfort. Whatever our situation, whatever our needs, whatever our problems, whatever our trials, God can comfort us. And one of the ways that God here d- describes The comfort that he gives to us seems sort of contradictory, but it is through hardships. Through our hardships, we can be a comfort to others. Through the hardships of others, they can be a comfort to us. As in our hardships, we are trusting God and receive comfort from him and show that in a testimony Or as someone else goes through a hardship and they are faithful to him and look to him and rejoice in all that he is doing through them and we see the comfort that they have and we can understand and know that God comforts them in their heartaches. He's a comfort for me. And they can look at us and say, God has been a comfort to you and that's been a comfort to me. Your trials and your hardships that you go through as a believer many times as you faithfully look to the Lord and trust in Him and rest in His comfort and consolation, is then enabling you to be a comfort to others in need. You have your discipleship program and where you teach and instruct and encourage each other. Part of that discipleship is is where you in your hard times could be talking to someone who's gone through difficult times and you're saying, well, here, let me show you what the Lord did for me. Let me show you the strength I received in the Lord when I was going through this. And so your hardship becomes a comfort to them when they see the comfort that you have had in your life through a hardship. There's another man in our church who's going through a difficult time. Uh, And I was able to say, listen, I want you to look and see and and tell you what happened to this other believer to uh, said what Matt did when he followed the Lord just trusted in the Lord and rested in the Lord and did what God wanted him to do and this is how what Lord worked out in his life and God knows what's going on you just do what God wants and trust in the Lord and lay the problem with him and trust in his answer whatever it might be and that'll be a comfort to you So it says here, it's God who comforts, the God of all comfort, it says in verse 3, who comforts us in all our tribulations. He's not just going to comfort us in some. Well, God can comfort us in these little tribulations, but boy, if they get real big, I don't know if God's comfort's there. No, His comfort's always there. He can comfort us through uh, minor uh, skirmishes with other individuals or disagreements or misunderstandings. He can comfort us through a minor illness. He can comfort comfort us through cancer. He can comfort us through the loss of a loved one. He comforts us in all our tribulation. Because He is the God of all comfort. God is always able to comfort you in your tribulations and trials and problems. But again, it's only as we rest and trust in that comfort, isn't it? If we don't avail ourselves to God's comfort, it's not that His comfort wasn't able, it's that we didn't avail ourselves of it. We have to uh, be able to take part in that. We were driving over here. And I had my cell phone, and it was running out, and I had some directions on there, and the power was running out, and I got the plug to plug it into the campfire starter in my car. I don't have a cigarette lighter. It's a campfire starter. So I I stuck it in there, and uh, waiting for it to power up. And we're driving along, and all of a sudden, we look down, and it says it's out of power. And I said, well, what in the world's going on? We stuck it in there, and and realized that because of the angle with it and the center console, that the connection of it wasn't quite right. And so though it was right there, it was not availing itself to the power. And so it ran down. And then I had to pull over the side of the road because I didn't know where I was going because I didn't have the directions. No. <laughs> I kind of knew where we were going anyway. But the, it's, it's like that. And, and As we trust in the, in the Lord in His comfort... Are we going to rest in His comfort? Are we availing ourselves to the comfort that He gives us through the, through the Word of God, through the truths of who He is? We can rest in the comfort because we know that God loves us. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are His children, and, and we know that God loves us. And because He loves us, we can trust and know that He is there to take care of us. We know that all things are going to work together for good that, to them that love God. Now, those all things will be the tribulations and the trials as well. But we trust that God, because we know He's working all things out for us, for the good that He knows we need, not always the good that we want. So That's, that's where the problem is, where people think, well, if God just does it this way, then it'll be good. But uh, that's, not what it, that's not what God says the good is. It is His good for us. That's where the comfort is. He loves us. He knows what's going on. He's not caught by surprise by anything that happens to us. Years ago in school, my wife had a roommate that was just upset because this guy who she had been dating, who she thought was was the one, decided that he wasn't the one for her. And she was devastated, wondering, oh, no, no. You know, am I going to end up graduating without a husband? What's what's going to happen? Whatever. And and I, she was talking to us about that. And I, I looked at her and I told her. I said, now listen. She said, uh, you need to understand. I just want to encourage you with this. God was not caught by surprise that this guy decided to break off your dating relationship. <laughs> and when you graduate, he's not going to look down and say, Oh no, I forgot to get so and so a husband. said no he's got it under control you just trust in him and she took that advice and was thankful for it and God led later on a tremendous man into her life and she's uh, faithfully served with her husband in the ministry for years and years since then (laughs) God's not caught by surprise by our tribulations he comforts us in them he comforts us in all of our tribulation why well part of that reason that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Be ready and willing to be a comfort to those in need. To be an encouragement to them. It might be the exact same tribulation you went through. It may not be the exact same tribulation, but that doesn't mean you haven't gone through something that you can share with them and let them know, hey, that that God is still there to give us comfort, and, and we're here with you. To let people know that God is there. He can comfort them in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Because we allowed ourselves to be comforted of God from the God of all comfort. We can let others know no matter what their trouble is. That the God of all comfort will comfort them. All the sufferings of Christ that abounded in us, Paul said, so that our consolation may also abound in Christ. Everything that we went through and all the consolation we have is so we can give that consolation to others. Sometimes we say, but I don't want to go through hard times. Oh, I love it. No. None of us want to go through hard times. But God takes us through those for His purposes. Sometimes it's chastisement for our disobedience and sin, yes. But a lot of times it's just because we live in a sinful world. And death enter, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And that brought a whole bunch of great big mess into this world that God created. And because of the natural consequences of sin, sometimes even we as believers that love the Lord have to go through difficult times and trials because of that. Sometimes it's a trial of our faith and a testing of our faith to grow our faith in the Lord. And sometimes it simply might be that God puts us through a trial so that we can be an example and use that trial to be a comfort to others. The important thing is that we know where our comfort is and we rest in Him. So whether, verse 6, we be afflicted, it is for your consolations. I rejoice that I'm afflicted, that I can be there to have, give be a consolation for you to know and understand the deliverance of God, which is, is effectual. It has effect in the enduring of the same suffering, which we also suffer. No matter how we suffer together or what we all suffer, it, it can work in all of us. For whether we be comforted, it is again for your consolation and salvation. The trials I go through are for your consolation. The comfort I receive are for your consolation. And Paul here is talking about all the hardships he has and how it can be a benefit to them. Where usually when we're in hardships, we're worried about what's happening to us. Paul was saying, all this stuff I'm going through it's going to be a benefit to you because you're going to understand and know the comfort I have in the Lord and the comfort you have in the Lord. And our hope of you is steadfast, verse 7, knowing that ye are partakers of the sufferings. (laughs) We're steadfast. We know that you're going to have sufferings and that you do have sufferings because everybody has sufferings. And Paul knew that they as believers, as they stood for the Lord in a town of Corinth where there was a lot of persecution when Paul was there, was still going to go on. Because the town of Corinth was still a heathen mecca of worldliness and ungodliness and idol worship. And the powers that be were still under the influence of those things. So that Paul says, you in Corinth, I know that you're going to have (laughs) trials as well because you're in a place of triumph. And people who are going to be seeking to be in opposition to your testimony. But I'm steadfast that ye also uh, of your consolation. And then in verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. I want you to know the turmoil that we've been in. And it came upon us when we were in Asia. He said, because you know, you might look at me and He's not saying this specifically in this verse, and it's not even in the Greek, so I couldn't pull it out of that and say that it was there when it's not. <laughs> he might, might have been thinking, you might think that maybe, but I'm Super Paul, and conflict and afflictions bounce off me like bullets off a of Superman. Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> Talked about hitting the microphone. I'm, I'm super, you might think, I'm super Paul. He said, well, I want you to understand. I want you to, to understand of the trouble that came in Asia. And there was a time, he said, when I was pressed out of measure. The pressure was just squeezing down on me and every ounce of my faith was tested of my strength in the Lord and my reliance on the Lord was pressed down above any strength that I had. I couldn't hold up anymore. I'd lifted the weight, and I was holding it there, but it was pushing down too hard. And it was beyond my strength. Insomuch that we even despaired. We despaired even of life. I wanted to die. I was thinking, what is... This is too hard anymore, Lord. That's it. I'm ready to die. I can't take it anymore. Said, you may think I'm super Paul, but understand, he said. In my flesh, there are trials and difficulties that are hard, and that I too struggle from time to time, he said. Again, we have very little actual account of the full life of Paul in Scriptures. We have instances here and there, but there are many, many towers, many days. Sometimes it says that he was in Ephesus for so long, but we don't have any record of all the other things that took place, just a few highlights here and there. We don't know of all the struggles and trials that Paul might have gone through in his personal life. We know some of them. We know that there was a time here where he he was pressed down. We know that when this thorn in the flesh was a pain in the neck to him, that he pleaded with God to get rid of that. It bothered him. He was was worried, consumed with getting rid of that so that he might minister better whatever that specific one might have been. And here he says, I was pressed down and I was ready to die. So there will be times in your life as a believer where you'll think, man, I'm ready just to throw in the towel. But what sustained him It's interesting, it stains him. It's what sustained him in verse 9. But we have this sentence of death in ourselves. But I know, when I stop and think, I know what God says. And I know that I'm the Lord's. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I understand and know that the world is going to hate me. I understand and know that there will be trials in serving the Lord. And I understood and know at that time that, hey, if I was going to die, I would die for the Lord. The sense of death was in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves. I had to remember that whatever was going on in my life, I had to stop thinking of me and trusting in my own strength. You notice he said there, I was pressed out of measure. My strength was gone. It could give the indication that in that specific time, there was a short time where Paul was beginning to look at his own abilities and strengths. And the Lord was said, well, let me press that out of you. See, many times we can become self-satisfied in who we are, in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual stand, in our spiritual strength, in all the things that we do, and all the things that we have, and, and all, how faithful we are, so we can begin looking at ourselves. Oh, I can figure it all out. I'm that way. I can, you know, give me some, I'll, I'll, I can figure it out. Figure out how to get out of this and how to get out of that. Uh, in my mind, I can think, yeah, I can probably work through these things. And i got to be careful. Because it's not me working it out. It's me trusting in how the Lord's going to work it out. And how His Word works it out. And how His, what His truth tells me. But we can look at our own And He said... I just had to realize, okay, hey, I'm not going to trust myself, but I will trust in God which raiseth the dead. I said, oh, so, hey, if I'm in persecution and they're pressing me and I may die, well, I'll die. It's all right because I know the Lord's, I've got my home with Him. Oh, He has delivered us from so great a death. He's delivered us from, from every kind of death, he, the eternal damnation He has delivered us from, from by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's delivered me from other instances of death. And he can deliver me from this death. And he did. And he will continue to deliver me in his timing. And I'm trusting he will yet deliver me in the future. But that's again, I'm trusting in him. I don't have to deliver myself. You see, the comfort that we have in him is just continually looking to him no matter what. And so We rejoice. He rejoiced in what God has done and for the deliverance he had. But in that comfort, we also see that he delivered him and delivered them. In verse 11, ye also helping together by prayers for us. You know, we talked about giving comfort one to another by our words. But here he said, in my heartache, you helped by your prayers. This again is our prayer, one for another. Your prayers for the missionaries. <laughs> you're helping together. Your prayers for each other. helping together. Your prayers for your pastor, helping together. Your prayers for the person that you're mentoring your mentoring discipling, those who are teaching your Sunday school students, your, your mentoring, you're praying for them. You're praying for the young people, praying for your children. children, you know the Lord, praying for your parents. <laughs> Not that they get you a new iPhone or something, but, you know. Praying for each other. Because the prayer, he says, helped. How he knew, in what way he knew, I don't know. He just says, in my time of being distressed, your hair, your prayers helped. I believe I mentioned last time when, when we were here, and, and used some of these references before, but expanded them this time, but There was a time where my wife and i both about ready to say you know maybe it's time to just move on we had some people leave the church for no reason except they they said well you know the church isn't growing fast enough so we decided we're going somewhere else there was really nowhere else to go and they really didn't go any place good but and they were not really that great a help in the first place in helping the church to grow but and it's not like i tell them it's not like i didn't want it to grow and i wasn't you know, said, well, I'm not going to do anything because I don't want my church to grow. No, but it was this the response of people's hearts. And we both looked at each other, and one of the few times in ministry, we both kind of thought at the same time, oh, maybe it's just time to move on. But again, the, the Spirit of God came along and said, or maybe that was my wife. I don't know. <laughs> But it was simply, we realized, but wait a minute. Just as Paul said, but I realized that we have this sentence of death. And there we, we, we realized, but wait a minute, this is God's work. We just are faithfully giving out the gospel, seeking to win the lost, seeking to build up believers. The Lord will build his work, his way, and his timing. It's up to him. And so it was all right. We'll stick around. Yes, Lord, all right, we're, we're here to do your work. <laughs> Besides that, I told people I was going to stay, don't want to be, a, you know. And it was not several months after that that, that this seven-year period began where we began to see the church grow. We were just there to do his work because he is faithful. And so as we think of this prayer, again, that passage in 2 Thessalonians, so finally, brethren, just pray for us that the word of God would have free course, that that it would just flow. That the word of God would be what flows from us in ministering to others. It's not our plans, our ideals, our ideologies, but that the word of God would just have free course, that it would flow from us freely and it would have an effect in the lives of others. That we may be delivered from unreasonable men without reason. You know, the people that you trying to tell the word of God, and they just don't have any reasoning at all. They're just, and they're wicked people, people who want to attack and destroy and tear down. Pray for protection, he says. Pray for the word of God to be glorified as it is with you. Pray that there would be protection in the ministry, because there are men who do not have faith. But just help us to remember, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And he will establish us and keep us from evil. The Lord is faithful always in all things. We're talking again with pastor at lunch, and I thought of this, preaching to the believers, uh, dealing with prayer before we came here, and was using this, this passage here in, first, in Second Thessalonians, encouraging our people as we pray for each other. And I said, and just remember that as you pray for each other, well, no matter how God answers it, he's always faithful. Use the term gracious many times, and we usually use that. Something good happens to us. Oh, God is gracious. We were coming here, and yesterday we got stuck in a traffic accident. Three and a half hours in the hot sun in Hancock, Hancock County, Indiana. About a, quarter, about a half, three quarters of a mile ahead of us when the accident took place. So, a flow of traffic we figured probably about five minutes before we'd gotten there, it had happened. And when we finally got through after that, we drove, drove by and there was a car that was just like it had been through a crusher. Evidently got run over by a semi. There were two semis and four cars and one fatality that we know of and found later. And we can thank thank you, Lord, that we weren't in that. And could almost hear myself say, if I was the careful for boy, the Lord sure was gracious. But you know what? If that would have been a red Toyota Sienna 2000 Seven that had gone under that semi God still would have been gracious God still would have been faithful and uh, I'd be at home in heaven with him (laughs) and yes there would be sorrow and loss for some but still God was still gracious and good would have been still gracious and good in that and when some things don't go the way we want you know what God is still faithful. We just have to learn to trust in His comfort and in His goodness, no matter what. But we still pray, and we make our requests known unto God, and we pray for each other. Praying for strength, praying for faithfulness, praying for illnesses, praying for hardships, praying for difficulties, praying for provisions. Praying for the power of God, praying for the blessings of God, praying that our testimonies would be, be shining faithfully to the lost, whether in Canada or in Cleveland. Pray for us, Paul says, not because, well, you know, I just want to tell you people to pray because we're supposed to pray. No, we said pray. Pray fervently. Pray with energy. You know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much tells us in James. And that word fervent and effectual is basically the word energy. <laughs> work. When we sit down and we toil at prayer, work at prayer, not just flippantly say, okay, I've got to remember to pray for this, pray for that. But that it is a prayer investment in our lives. That We pray with energy. Now, it doesn't mean how excited we get and... But it, just, it, is, it is prayer that is meaningful and not prayer that is simply what we do. That's what avails. So make your prayers for each other energetic. <laughs> and Pray for God's word that it would go forth and be glorified. Souls would be saved. Believers would be built up. Pray for comfort for each other. As you pray for your missionaries and you're praying for us, we don't know what your prayers may be doing in our lives. We don't know what our prayers might be doing in your lives. You're praying for each other. You may not know the specific needs that's going on, but God does. Let your prayers be effectual and fervent because they avail much. Pray. Be a comfort as we serve the gospel of Jesus Christ together. Father, thank you again for your love, your faithfulness. And I thank you for the faithfulness of the people in this church. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen this ministry each day that you would protect the pastoral staff, the leadership in this church, as they seek to lead people. As people are mentoring each other, Lord, that they would, you would protect those who are working and helping those who are newer in the Lord, that that they would be protected from Satan who would try to tear them down and destroy their testimony before this person that they're working with. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of the stand of this ministry I thank you, Lord, for your working here and your working through us. Thank you for that we can represent them and be their uh, ministers and servants on the field of Nova Scotia. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us all together to keep our eyes set upon you, trust in you, the God of all comfort, praying fervently to you, the God whose ears are open unto our prayers that, Lord, together we will honor you and glorify you together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.